Every company is obviously looking for the absolute best candidates that they can hire, and that's often based on skills and experience. While one business expert and experienced leader believes those will take your employees only so far. Are people asking questions? You know, are they responding? Are they interacting with you right from the beginning? Not to the point where they're dominating and they're interrupting and they're trying to brag on what they've done in the past, but are they are they alert? Are they involved? And they uh, are they paying attention? Do they seem to appreciate the uh, the chance to spend some time with you and to uh, even interview for the job? You find out what's going on in their mind. Hi, everyone. I'm Tim Muma. Thanks for joining us on LJN Radio. Larry Wydell is the author of Serial Winner, Five Actions to Create Your Cycle of Success. Now, he spent the last 40 years building an award-winning financial services organization that covers North America. And he says coachability plays a greater role in success and that being able to spot that during an interview will help employers hire superstars. Larry, thanks for joining us on the show today. Well, it's a privilege to be with you. Now, we're going to be talking a little bit about coachability and uh, the impact that can have on an individual and a business, of course. But I guess I wanted to get, first of all, your definition or how you would describe the term coachability, because it's something I think everybody has their own thought when it, when it goes into that term. I think coachability is uh, primarily the attitude you have where you've got an awareness of what you don't have and that the person who's working with you does have, does know, and you understand and accept that if they're telling you things, they've got more of an information experience base to uh, speak from. Mm -hmm. And just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that you're going to fight them. What you, the proper response is to ask questions. And you can't help someone who's not willing to be helped. And coachability comes from the uh, attitude that uh, I'm looking for help, and the key other key word is I appreciate the help, hmm. and I'm going to respond in a way where I'm going to live up to my end of the bargain. It's a two-way street. They're going to work with me, and I'm going to follow through, and I'm going to be uh, anything I don't understand. I'll ask questions, but uh, I'm going to be receptive, I guess, is the, another key word. Sure. Well, and part of what we're talking about here is as an employer, you know, finding these candidates who are going to be your employees that you want them to be coachable. And of course, most employers are still going to be looking at things like skill and experience, knowledge. Uh, you know, they see those as indicators of a successful person, someone they'd like to hire, and they think they're going to be successful with their company as well. You say, though, that coachability is actually a better predictor. Why do you believe in that? This is a uh, big part uh, that I covering my, my book, Serial Winner, is the fact that it's not what you're born with, it's what you do with it. And you see this really clearly in the uh, professional sports leagues where they draft players, and then you take one player, they seem to be equal coming into the league, right? and one player a year, two, or three down the road is just dramatically developed, where the other player has gone south, not living up to their potential at all. The difference there. You know, it's a similar when you hire people in your organization. Some people are interested in moving up. You know, they they, they want to become more efficient. They, they, they understand that the better they perform, the more likely they are to get that promotion, that pay raise, become a more valuable member of the team. Mm -hmm. And so the coachability comes from people who like doing things well. 
they just take a satisfaction from knowing they're on top of their game and they're making a contribution. And so what they're, you know, they're eager to learn. Right. And that's why I think it's such a big indicator. Okay, so listeners are thinking, okay, that's great. That's a different perspective to have on, you know, whether I'm looking to hire someone or even if it's someone in my organization, I'm looking to see, you know, who's that right person we can we can move up, so to speak. The question then is how can you spot that in an in interview? And you had written an article actually that touched on three things that you can look for as far as finding those coachable candidates. You want to just start us off by one of those keys that you find important? The key thing I look for is are people asking questions? You know, are they responding? Are they interacting with you right from the beginning? Not to the point where they're dominating and they're interrupting and they're trying to brag on what they've done in the past, but are they are they alert? Are they involved? And they uh, are they paying attention? Do they seem to appreciate the uh, the chance to spend some time with you and to uh, even interview for the job? You find out what's going on in their mind. It's one thing to sit and talk, talk, talk to somebody, but when there you get feedback from them of questions they might ask, you find out what's important to them, and you get a little chance to see how their mind works. It's very revealing, but someone who sits there like a bump on the log, it's really hard to get a feel for them because when when you hire people, you're interacting. I mean, you're solving problems, you're talking, you're communicating. And it's nice to get a feel for that during the early interview process. Now, one thing I had seen that you'd written about was actually wanting to hear from a candidate about maybe a mistake they made or being willing to talk about a mistake and how either they overcame that or they did something to improve upon that. Can that be a double-edged sword where people are a little worried if I bring up mistakes, they're going to think I'm not competent versus maybe I'm showing a positive somehow by talking about this. What's your take on that? Well, I don't think you want to make it a dominant part of the interview and, and certainly not looking for things they've done that are illegal or uh, <laughs> have just about brought their company to uh, their knees. And, you know, I've I've spoken with plenty of people, you know, HR and hiring, and they say people do do that. So as simple as that sounds, yes, anyone listening, please don't talk about that kind of stuff in your interview. You are there to accentuate the positives. Right. And... uh the way about yourself, you know, here's what a dummy I was over here, and here's another dumb thing I did. It's not bad, <laughs> but it's like none of us are perfect. It's great to get a feel for how the person is going to respond simply because whatever you were supposed to do is poorly communicated to you by your uh, uplines, and then you went out and you, you made a blunder, or sometimes you just overwhelmed in, in terms of being over-eager to help out and to do your job, you take on more than you is humanly possible, basically, and then the ball, you drop the ball. So a lot of times it's because of trying to do a good job, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's just simple mistakes. But it's interesting to see how people respond. And I know in life, even with friends, uh, it's a lot easier to be friends with someone and enjoy spending time with them if there's somebody who can laugh at themselves, who, who... who is not trying to keep this image up of being perfect because the per- the person who's trying to pretend to be perfect because none of us are is going to be someone who hides things. Mm. And we I just got back from a big uh you know you want people who will own up to their mistakes and and their blunders because it's not the and not feel like it's the end of the world because that speaks to a certain confidence. I've got an incredibly competent personal assistant 
and we just got back from a uh, convention in Keystone, Colorado, which is kind of a kind of a reward type trip, and I, I I bring all the staff along with that. And as a result, when it came time to kick off the Monday morning call, the normal preparation and and uh, paperwork and reports well always are prepared for this call. It wasn't done, and so. You know, and I, I'm looking for them to be faxed, you know, at 8.30 in the morning, and they, they're not coming in, so I give a call. And he says, well, I didn't do them. <laughs> and uh, sorry, you know, in the trip, I was just out in Colorado, the skiing, and just slipped my mind, you know, apologize. No cover-up, no right. excuses, just, you know, I made a mistake, sorry. And uh, <laughs> it's nice to see some give and take there, because mm-hmm. none of us are perfect, and you don't want to fall apart. You don't want to be hiring these fragile flowers that where anything goes wrong, they just go up in flames. You know, that's basically the idea. Now, the other side of this, when people hear coachability, a lot of times they think of someone who's just going to be like a yes man uh, or they're going to go along with whatever somebody's saying. I guess how do you avoid that? Because I don't see necessarily that as being an ideal employee either. You want some pushback, right? So what what do you look for as far as a balance of – that eagerness versus just kind of going along with, with what people want. You want someone who, that kind of tells you about their judgment and their discernment and that will be reflected in a lot of areas. The key is you're looking for someone who, when they have an idea, you know, is not afraid to bring that idea up, or when they spot you making a mistake, they're not afraid to mention point that out did you say did you really mean that or did you mean this you know and they they kind of bring these things they basically save you from yourself when you're <laughs> you're going off on on a wrong track there with not even intending to do it you want people around you who can save you and speak up or when they have an idea but the way they do it shows a lot about their maturity and their confidence and all because you don't want the person who has always got to have a better idea, always interrupting, Mm. going overboard with the initiative. You know, like, that's great that you guys did it this way. Thanks for showing me that. Now let me tell you how I'm going to do it, you know. (laughs) I was flipping through the channels last night on TV after I got through the last conference calls, and there's some kind of new home improvement show, and I, I, I think they do renovations. Okay. Husband and wife team. And I swear that husband, I only watched this thing for a few seconds, but but in the middle of this few seconds, this guy about four or five times like, well, I guess I'm right. I guess that shows I won that one. Oh. You know, it's like, oh. I already hate this guy, and I just started watching the show, you know? And <laughs> I don't know how his wife tolerates him, but uh, it's kind of annoying to have someone like that around. But on the other hand, you don't want a wallflower mm-hmm. who won't speak up when they see you get re- you know when you they see you get ready to go into a big meeting you got a piece of big spinach hanging from your your salad you know you had at lunch sticking in your teeth you'd like somebody who has enough confidence to say hey you know <laughs> clean that up take a look at that you know <laughs> yeah clean, you know <laughs> you know you keep saying one thing is that what you mean and you keep saying friday don't you mean monday and oh yeah 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 thank you and so it's just interaction and that comfort the way they do it, you know, you want them to be able to do it, but the way they do it will tell you also a lot about their mentality and how they operate in other areas that you're not involved in. 
Well, I think those are a couple of great examples of, of the two extremes, if you will. And uh, as you mentioned, it can be something 30 seconds to a minute, uh, whether it's in an interview or in a meeting, that you can pick up on that. So I think that's uh, I think that's good insight for people on both ends of the table, whether you're looking to hire or if you might be somebody that's looking to uh, get a position. You mentioned your book earlier, Serial Winner, Five Actions to Create Your Cycle of Success. And I wanted to ask about that as far as being a serial winner, because it's kind of what the coachability aspect is a part of the bigger picture. Is that something people can learn to do that an employer can teach someone to be like? Maybe give us a quick synopsis of what really that means to be a serial winner and if it's something that you can learn to do or to be. There are really skills you have to learn. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, if you're going to get things done in life, you have to know how to get things done. It basically comes into like five things of you got to call a shot and say, I'm going to go for that. If it's either in your personal life or your business life or, you know, little things, medium things, big things, you've got to be able to say, yes, I'm going to go and try and knock that project out or I'm going to go try and do that or that looks like it's fun. I want to do that. I'm going for it. And so you got to be able to decide. And then when you start, you got to start with a bang. You can't stick your, stick your toe in the water. And I talk about overdoing from the beginning rather than just doing because it's so easy to underestimate. Hmm. The other thing is when you get in the heat of the battle and you get involved in the project, you, you have to be smart enough to realize things are going to go wrong. you got to not fall for the natural default reaction or emotion of, this is too tough. I quit. I should have never tried it. All you got to do is adjust because your plan A of how you thought it was going to work, those those are great for getting you started, but we always have to adjust. You have to go to plan A, you know, B, C, D, E. You, the main thing is, is to finish, and that's the fourth phase of it is when you get close to the finish line, uh, you don't let yourself get distracted, and it will seem – 98% of your effort is going to be finishing the last 2%. It's not true, but it'll seem like that. But mm-hmm. the the payoff the payoff only comes when you finish. And so you don't want to let yourself get distracted and then the the way you you turn that into a pattern of your life is you learn how to win. And you learn how to win by not just retiring for you the rest of your life, celebrating and partying and 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 going off in the woods and showing everybody your trophy or your achievement. You know, I've learned to speak French. You know, let me speak French for you or something. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying is when you go through the finish line, you look and you say, I did it, but I could have done a whole lot of these other things better. I could have had more support. I could have compressed time frames here. I could have avoided getting, uh, you know, sidetracked over here. Next, And so by improving, you set yourself up for even bigger uh, a quicker successes in the future because every time you you accomplish something you open the door to bigger opportunities so if you keep your eyes open for that so that's how you know the serial winner approach and cycle of winning and most of this stuff is pretty obvious once somebody you know puts it in front of you but not everybody has mentors or advisors or successful people around them who will take the time and answer these questions and show them the ropes. And that's why I wrote the book, because I was pretty fortunate, and I had success that I would not have had uh, without these people to go to and ask questions and get answers from. And so that's why I wrote the book, because there's a lot of people out out there that can do, got the potential inside of them to do some amazing things, Mm -hmm. and they're like the big luxury Ferrari sitting on the side of the road, stuck because of some simple problem 
that uh, if you fix, you know, if they, they find out how to get past this, this one thing that they're confused on, they may be set off for a, a life of huge achievement. And that's what the book was written to help on. Well, Larry, we are up against the clock here. I did want to thank you for joining us. For those that are interested, again, the book is called Serial Winner, Five Actions to Create Your Cycle of Success. Uh, I think you gave us some great insight here today, and we appreciate your time, Larry. Thanks so much. I've enjoyed it. That'll do it for us on this episode of Management Decisions. Once again, we are speaking with Larry Wydell. He's the author of Serial Winner, Five Actions to Create Your Cycle of Success. We're talking about coachability as well as becoming a serial winner and what that means exactly. If you want to give us feedback on this or any of our shows, send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at the LJN. And you can find all of our shows on iTunes. Just search for LJN Radio. Thanks once again for listening. I'm Tim Numa. Take care, everybody.